From 1971 to 1993, multiple Jane Doe's were found in Elko County, Nevada. In this production, we are going to focus on Devil's Gate, Star Valley, Thousand Springs, and Shafter, Jane Doe's. There are many theories about where these women may have come from, though none of them have ever been identified. From the Great Basin Killings to Dale Wayne Eaton, there are a lot of theories about who may have murdered these women. And of course, was this one person or multiple people? There is a lot that is not known about these cases, but these women deserve justice. everybody and welcome to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. This is Katie Weaver. I'm here with my sister, co-host and partner in crime, Christy Brower. Hello. Hello. Hey everybody. Good to be here. Right. Mm-hmm. Bright and shiny Tuesday. Yes. How's it going? Good. Going very well. Good. Getting ready for camping, getting ready for our latest high school graduates. Yes. And CNA graduates. Whew. Yeah. We have a lot to celebrate, a lot to do. do. Yeah. Good stuff happening. Well, I'm just living the dream over here with uh, all of the animals that uh, live with me and also live in my yard that time. <laughs> uh, our piggy was, Fiona was sick last night, had a tummy mm-hmm. ache and threw up multiple times. Oh. I... You don't even want to imagine it was. I don't. Mm-mm. Garbage bags hauled to the garbage bin. I mean, oh. I did, I'm not even washing stuff. I'm just throwing it away. It was that bad, Ugh. awful, and um, yeah. So she seemed fine this morning, but oh god. Well, anyway. she will literally eat anything. So, mm-hmm. and she did. She did. She knocked uh, the container of dog food off of the shelf where we store it and Scott heard it fall. So she didn't get that much, but enough to upset her tummy. And we were both like, well, I mean, (laughs) sucks to suck Fiona. Yeah. Except for no, it it sucked for me. So anyway, but But the other thing that's happening here, I feed the crows in our neighborhood. And so every morning I traipse out to my crow feeder in my front yard and I put a cup of cat food and a big handful of uh, in-the-shell unsalted peanuts because they love that. And, of course, sometimes it attracts other animals. Yeah, and, in fact, last week we watched a, tro- a crow uh, dive-bombing a squirrel in the yard. She <laughs> swooped around and she would, like, fly over him and kind of hit him in the back with her feet and then come around. And, <laughs> and she did it over and over, like, ten times. She get out it, of here and get out of my food. He's a baby, too. He wasn't big. Oh, anyway, it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. But now we have some neighbor cats that have figured out there's food there. Oh. Which this is really problematic because I'm putting cat food out for the birds, but also chumming in the birds who might use, you know, the birds as food. They're not going to kill the crows. They're way too big. But there's other little blackbirds that come and eat. Anyway, so I'm probably a monster for, like, chumming these birds in so that the cats can come. But anyway... 
the crows have started, if the cats get in the feeder, they sit in the trees in my front yard and scream bloody murder. So I will hear them out there yelling. So I go open the front door and yell, hey, you cats get out of here. And they will. And then the crows are happy. And then 20 minutes later, the crows are out there yelling again. And I'll go out. And oh, my God. <laughs> we have a scene going on around here. <laughs> that sounds pretty awesome. I'm pretty sure you should be making a video. Right. I mean, you can't blame the cats. There's cat food. Right. You know? They're like, dude, didn't you leave this? We are, in fact, cats. Well, we have some neighbors that just, they're just a cat factory. They don't take care of their cats. They never fix their cats. And they have mm. the cutest tuxedo kitties. Mm. Black kitty, black tuxedo kitties, and also gray tuxedo kitties that are oh. absolutely beautiful. Yeah. But, you know, you can't blame them for coming and eating, but the crows can, though. They are yeah. pissed. So <laughs> anyway, I, I definitely feel like, uh, my God. <laughs> It's a little much around here. That's what I'm saying. Sounds like <laughs> it. But we have a packed episode, so we better get into it because we've got a lot to talk about. So, Christy, you're going to kick us off with a missing person spotlight. Yes. So, this is Ian Ewing. Ian has been missing for about a month. And his family is so very worried about him. This is Springfield, Missouri. And he, they don't know that he's necessarily like kidnapped missing, but he just stopped coming home. Ian is known to have some mental health issues and, and possibly some substance abuse issues. And he was living with his youngest sibling, his sister, who is all over TikTok, so worried for him. Oh, and um, apparently he was really known for doing a lot of dumpster diving in his community. Oh, and one day he just didn't come back to her place. Oh, dear. And they haven't been able to find him for a month. And they are so, so worried about him. Oh, dear. So um, he has lived in Aurora, Missouri before. This is now Springfield. There have been a few potential sightings of him, but you know how that goes. Anytime yeah. anybody's missing, then people see that person everywhere. Oh, remember how many people saw Brian F. Laundry? Who was dead the whole damn time? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Crazy. So I wanted to just, you know, there's not a lot known. I mean, he's he just didn't come home. He's got some history of really struggling and... He may be living, um, you know, on the streets in Springfield, Missouri. And his family, they just want to know he's okay. Yeah. Like, if he could just let him know he's safe, even if he doesn't want to come home right now or doesn't want to talk to him right now, just, is he okay? Because that's what they want. That's what his whole family wants. So, sure. just here oh, again is so terrifying. picture. It is. So, he's fairly distinctive looking, you know. He has fairly mm -hmm. distinctive hairstyle. I gotta say, got, though, those two pictures just about don't look like the same person. So he yeah, they look, look quite different. He can, and they think he may have shaved his beard. Mm. Um, he does have tattoos, though, that are pretty mm. um, <clears throat> identifiable. So yeah. if you have seen him, please let the police know <clears throat> in Springfield, Missouri. They are looking for him. 
and uh, the family is working with the police. So I do think that they are acknowledging that, you know, he's a, he's an at-risk person. Yeah. So if you live in Springfield, Missouri, and you see somebody that looks like him, please call the police. Yeah. Well, okay. And with that, Katie, I'm going to kick the mic back to you for our main case. So a listener recently asked us to cover a case, a Jane Doe case from Nevada. Mm -hmm. And as I was researching that case, I discovered that there's another few cases that have some pretty good similarities to that one. And then I realized, wow, the county of Reno, Nevada has a lot of Jane Doe's. And they're all from a pretty similar, not all, but a lot from a pretty similar time period. So I'm going to specifically talk about four, uh, but there are more. I found a really interesting document called Nevada Rural County Female Unidentified Dead and Unsolved Homicides. And there's a bunch, like Mm. six pages worth. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I'm going to include that document in the case description. I'm not going to go through all of them. Um, Some of them are the ones I'm talking about today, but there's more than that. I just couldn't find much info on them. So we'll stick it with these for now. But I wanted to share these four does and then talk a little bit more about some of the going theories about them. So, Christy, in a sense, this is going to be a cold read for you. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about uh, about the case, about who you think uh, maybe did this. And also, if we think this was all really the same person or it wasn't. There's some real confusion about it, and and you'll discover why as we go here. So we're going to start with the very first one. This is the Devil's Gate Jane Doe. And the Devil's Gate Jane Doe died somewhere, they think, in 1971. Her body was found in 1972. Okay. Uh, She was quite uh, decayed when they found her. They did not do... A facial reconstruction on her, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, two of these cases they did not, which I think mm-hmm. is really sad. That is, that's unfortunate because those can be so helpful. Mm-hmm. Now, bear in mind that all of the cases I'm showing you, the postcard or, or the picture is that area of Elko, Nevada. Okay. The county of Elko is pretty large, it is uh, 1,781 square miles. Mm-hmm. Or 11 million acres. Oh, man. And 72% of it is owned by the federal government. It's And if you guys are familiar with the high uh, de- arid deserts like this, this is, it's some really similar to the terrain here. Yeah. But uh, except for they get a lot harder than we do. But mm-hmm. um, a lot of this is pretty impassable terrain or terrain that, you know, people aren't out on very often unless maybe they're hiking or motorbiking and stuff. No. Um, it's no wonder that a bunch of does get dropped here because it's a pretty wild place. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm so remote. They're not going to get found, yeah. you know, anytime quickly. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So the Devil's Gate Jane Doe, I'll tell you a little bit about her. So she was a late teen young adult. They figured she was somewhere between 15 and 18 years old. Mm. She was... Uh, Five five. They were unable to estimate weight because she was so uh, decomposed. They think that she was out there for at least three months, um, but maybe more. She's 
was an unidentified deceased uh, and, and still is. So the body was found mm -hmm. on October 2nd, 1972. Uh, she was found by a local resident that was hunting. How many times now have we heard about hunters coming across bodies? A, a lot. It's, it happens a lot. Yeah. Lucky for the hunters in that sense, you know, or not for them, but for us that hunters are out there in these areas finding. Right. In that terrain where people wouldn't be going much. Except for, can you imagine? No. Can you just really imagine finding a dead body? No. That would change you forever. Yeah. Definitely yeah. don't want to. Mm-mm. So she was in a shallow ditch and covered with dirt and dead willows. And so some partial remains were sent to the FBI for analysis, but they could not determine cause of death. Mm. So the FBI said they figured that she had died four to 12 weeks prior to discovery. So NamUs says that she disappeared somewhere between 71 and 72, but it really looks like she was murdered in 72. Right. So I'm not really sure why they say that, but. Well, and if they don't know who she is, then how the hell do they know? Right. <laughs> like One kind of disturbing detail of hers is that her torso was not recovered. Ooh. Well, that could be predation, though. It could be. She had long strawberry blonde hair. Uh, the hair was described as long, golden, with curls at the ends. Mm. Uh, eye color is unknown and that's about all they know. They, they did say that she had a narrow projecting nose and extreme projection of upper teeth and that her teeth were stained brown, indicating that she was raised in a fluoride rich area. Mm -hmm. Uh, her teeth looked as though she had not had any, uh, notable dental work and she only wore a size four and a half shoe. Oh, Wow. So she was naked, but in the immediate area, they had found a pair of women's high-heeled shoes, size four, mm -hmm. uh, in the brand La Fisa, mm -hmm. one white nylon stocking, and a portion of a blue sweater. Oh, wow. And that's all they had to go on. And unfortunately for this Jane Doe, she was, she's never been identified. I wonder if they've ever tried, if they've tried the genealogical uh, DNA. I wondered that too. Directing I, it. Right. I mean, you'd think at this point, maybe some DNA would help solve some of these cases. Mm -hmm. I wonder if Elko At least determine who they are. Right. Well, yeah, even not with, you know, standing the, uh, the murderers just to, yeah, get their families some closure. Yeah. I mean, this was nearly 50 years ago, but well, it was 50 years ago, but. Still. So then the second Jane Doe is known as the Star Valley Jane Doe. Okay. And the Star Valley Jane Doe actually did get a drawing or a mock-up of what they thought her face would have looked like. Mm -hmm. She was shot in the face. Oh. Geez. But uh, this was a rendering or a, a mock-up of what they thought her face would look like. So again, she just was found in the Star Valley area of Elko County. So I want to tell you about her case. So she was found by a rancher uh, on July 14th, 1972. And she was nude 
and had been posed in a cross-like manner. And authorities said that uh, it was clear that she had been posed because of the drag marks and the, the footprints around her, that they very specifically put her in a position. So this was about 35 miles east of the city of Elko. So Elko City is in Elko County. And it gets to be, I think, a little bit confusing that way. But at any rate, uh, it's not a spot that people who weren't were from unfamiliar with the area probably would have found. That was one thing about this one that uh, had perplexed locals is that the area that she was found in is very rural uh, agriculture. And the only reason a rancher found her is because he was out working his cows. It's not a spot where anybody would just go. No, dumped where they thought nobody'd find her for a while. Yep. So when they took her to the coroner's office, they determined that she had died several months prior and it was definitely a homicide. She had been shot with a 22 caliber handgun in the neck and left cheek. Hmm. So two gunshots. Jeez. She's described as a white female between the ages of 17 and 25. She stood 5'2 and weighed somewhere between 105 and 115 pounds. Her hair was described as reddish blonde or sandy blonde in color, which confuses me a lot about the picture that they published of her, which looks like dark hair to me. does, yeah. But this mm. was not high-tech police work. And not to right. drive the police. This was a long time ago. Yeah. But, uh, it was just not high-tech work. But anyway... Um, so, because of decomp, they couldn't tell what her eye color was should have been. Mm -hmm. She had an appendectomy scar, mm -hmm. and an, also a scar outside of her right knee. Mm -hmm. Okay. There had been a dark blue Volkswagen Beetle with Tennessee plates in the area at the time that she, uh, around the time she would have been dumped, and. Authorities believed it was one that had been reported stolen in Tennessee, but then they, they never could find it. So they wondered if that was associated or not. It doesn't really seem to me like it would be because the dates don't work. The car was seen somewhere around July 7th or 8th, 1972. Mm -hmm. And she was found on July 14th, but she'd been there for a few months. So I'm just not oh, sure how that yeah. tracks. And it doesn't. That doesn't track at all. But they were just grasping at anything. Mm -hmm. So that's about all they know. They, she's never been found and, or, you know, never been identified. They no. do have her dental records and they did get one fingerprint off of her. Uh, oh. So th they do have a tiny bit of more forensics on her, but still not enough to make an identification. Okay. So those, both of those two were in 1972. So now moving forward to 1974. And this is to the Thousand Springs Jane Doe. Okay. Also, unfortunately, no picture of her either. Mm -hmm. But that's the area in which she was found. Again, of course, in Elko County. Mm -hmm. So here's what we know about her. They do believe she was had been there for a few months. She was found on July 16, 1974, by some tourists that were hiking and came across her 
body, her remains. She had been burned. No. So the cause of death was homicide by strangulation, but the state of the remains were in very poor shape because they, they'd attempted to burn her or incinerate mm-hmm. her. Um, they must not have done a great job, though, because they do have some interesting things that they know. She was 16 to 25 years old. We have a real type going here with age. Mm-hmm. She was white. Uh, she was 5'7 to 5'9, weighed 110 to 130 pounds. Her hair color was red or auburn. Unknown on the eye color. Mm-hmm. Again, they did not do a facial of her, and I sure wish they had. But mm-hmm. here's a really interesting distinguishing feature. She had no adrenal glands. Wow. Which means she either had had them removed uh, because of illness or she was born without them. Either was possible, but that's a pretty rare uh, illness. Yeah, it is. That, that's, that's one thing that really stood out to me. Like if somebody was missing a teenager, young adult missing adrenals at the time, because if you're missing adrenals, you have to take medication every day right. to save your life. That's pretty significant to me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you'd think somebody would have recognized that detail. Mm-hmm. Uh, dentals are available. They do have her dental records. No fingerprints and no DNA. Mm. That's part of this, I'm afraid, is that they didn't really save enough mm-hmm. forensics to really identify them. Uh, her clothing was present but burnt. Uh, identifiables were blue jeans. A blue-green colored blouse and buttons that were commonly used on jackets and overalls in the 70s. Hmm. <clears throat> What's that even tell you? <coughs> no jewelry. A red plastic fuel can was found near the body, but the fuel in it wasn't the same kind of fuel that was used on the body. She was burned with diesel, and which is probably why she didn't really incinerate. Mm-hmm. But there was a gas can nearby, weirdly. That is weird. So, of course, this uh, this poor uh, tourist couple comes across her and, of course, mm-hmm. calls her authorities. And that's pretty much where her case ends. That's all we know about her. Wow. So that's 1974. So come with me, if you will, to 1993. Oh, wow. 19 years later. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you why it matters. This is the Shafter Jane Doe. And this is the doe that we were requested to cover. And then in you know researching her, I discovered that there's so many does from this county and some mm-hmm. that really match up. Mm-hmm. So in 1993, on November 16th, 1993, a geologist from California was driving across northern Nevada And he stopped to stretch his legs and came across a body right off of the I-80. Oh, wow. Yeah. This, of course, is a rendering of her face. So we know a little bit more about the Shafter Jane Doe. So she, too, was shot two times. And she also was nude, and she was also posed like a cross. Mm. She'd been severely beaten in her face, and she was in pretty deep decomp. They think that she must have been there for at least a week before she was found 
she was 5'7", weighed about 140 pounds. She had given birth to at least one child. Oh, wow. She had all of her teeth and appeared to be in the process of uh, having a root canal. It was partway through a root canal. Oh. Also, from her teeth, they gathered that she was 27 years old. So she was a little bit older, maybe. Mm-hmm. They were all estimations, but... Mm-hmm. Her nails were professionally done and were bright pink. She had pierced ears but was wearing no jewelry. She had a two to four inch mark on the back of her right calf, uh, which could have been a burn scar or a birth mark. She too was shot twice with a medium caliber handgun. Now, on her body, there was no sign of sexual assault. On some of the others, they were unsure on that. Well, I mean, with that much decomposition, how. Yeah. I don't think it'd know for sure. They did get a partial fingerprint from her right thumb, but it's done nothing for them. Mm-hmm. So that's a pretty much all they know, except for that they did isotope testing on a hair sample mm-hmm. that indicated she'd lived most of her life in the Southwest, uh, including Southern California, New Mexico, and Arizona. They also said from the isotope testing that for the last seven months of her life, this is very specific, it's weird to me, um, that she had lived in Wyoming near the town of Afton. Oh, wow. Here's the thing about Afton, Wyoming. That's near us. Yeah. And that is a tiny community. Yeah, it is. How could we not find her people? How could we not... Like, that right. just is not, none of this tracks for me very well. Mm-mm. But 20 years apart, and we have a murder, it just, I don't know. I don't know. The, the, the way they're both posed, the way they were both shot in very similar places with a very similar gun, yeah. it just goes, really? All right, so let me tell you a little bit about some things that were happening in the area at the time. Okay. There were a string of killings of women in this age group and, and, and disappearances of women in this age group and lots of those that had been found from Colorado to Wyoming to Nevada and to Utah that was attributed to the Great Basin killings. Are you familiar with the Great Basin killings? Mm-mm. It's, it would be a great case for another day. I just couldn't do it all in one, but we should still probably dive into it. But so they wondered if these women were uh, a part of that. They felt like the Great Basin killings were at least two different serial killers that were maybe working together or that were both just working in the area. But their deaths were very similar. There was another murder, a woman in Utah, that was also posed like a cross like that. Mm-hmm. So, but... Besides that, there was another guy, this genius right here. Oof. Yikes. Mm-hmm. So his name is Dale Wayne Eaton. And Dale Wayne Eaton was in Colorado. And he had a string of crime behind him. So he had, by the time he was 19, he started uh, getting into trouble for stealing and going to jail. He came from a horrific family situation. 
a mentally ill mother with a really abusive father and just a mess. And he ended up running away when he was 16 and ended up in a psychiatric facility for a while and then lived in juvie for a couple of years in a place called mm. Lookout Mountain School for Boys, mm. which I'm guessing was a horror scape. But I'm sure, yeah. Yeah. At any rate, when he was 26, he got married and had a very tumultuous life with his wife, Melody. And they separated over and over again and then got back together. And, you know, it was one of those really toxic deals. Mm-hmm. Well, at one point when they had broken up for a while, a friend let him come and live with them. And he nearly choked their daughter to death over pork being prepared a way that he wasn't familiar with. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It is. There's just a whole string in his life of violent things like this. Mm-hmm. Well, there have been a bunch of murders in the areas where he was. Okay. When he was 37, uh, and this was in 1982, there was a murder in Wyoming of a woman that was 25 to 30. And they that's one of the cases that they think could have been him. Also, when he was 37, a woman was found. Uh, her name was, she was actually identified. Her name was Belinda Grantham. She was somewhere between 20 and 35. Now, I'm not really sure uh, why we don't know her age since we know her name, but okay. Um, <laughs> she was in a river in Wyoming. And also in, in Wyoming, well, one month after Samantha, Naomi Kidder was murdered, though she wasn't actually found and identified till 1994. She was strangled to death. When he was 38... In Wyoming, Janelle Johnson was found with her legs protruding from a makeshift grave. So she'd been buried, but some uh, spring runoff had eroded away part of her grave. She'd been raped and had bite marks on her body. <sighs> These are all deaths that authorities now think maybe he had something to do with. Mm-hmm. So sometime during that time, he... When he was around 39-ish, he ended up in a mental hospital for a while. And after he was released, he went to live uh, on his uncle's property in Wyoming and converted Mm. a little bus into a living space. And he was just kind of living off the land at that point. This is in Mm -hmm. 1987. When he was 43 in 1988, he abducted 18-year-old Lisa Marie Kimmel in Wyoming He drove her 20 miles to his house, to that old school bus. Um, He raped her and held her hostage for a while, performing, you know, violence on her. And a few days later, he was collecting the newspaper articles about her being missing. And on the sixth day, he fed her a nice dinner and... Mm dressed her in socks and underpants and drove her 70 miles away to old government bridge and Mm. struck her on the head with a lead pipe and then stabbed her six times with a knife and dumped her in the river. So she's found about a month later. No, not, not even that three days later, they found her body. And at some point 
they finally are able to, the FBI takes over the uh, examination of her death finally a year later. Oh, wow. And they finally uh, track her back to him and he gets arrested. And, but not before he, another couple comes up missing that they can, uh, and whose bodies were found in different states eventually, one in uh, El Paso, Texas, and one in New Mexico, that they also, he had a connection to this couple. And so they yeah. are suspecting him of that one. Uh, in 1994, 1995, he was living in Idaho Falls, Idaho. Oh, ye gods. Mm-hmm. That's scary. Mm-hmm. Yep. When he was 52, this is all before he finally gets arrested, he, a woman named Amy Bechtel went missing while going out for a run. Mm-hmm. And her, the suspect was related to a green Dodge van. Well, guess who had a green Dodge van? And another woman who went missing in 1989, who also was suspected to have disappeared into a green Dodge van. Boy. In 1997, he tried to kidnap a family called the Breeden family in Wyoming. They'd stopped for car trouble and he pretended to be there to help them to get them to a repair shop. And, uh, he got them into his green van and tried to stab Shannon, the, the wife, while her husband uh, jumped on Dale and hit him in the head with a rifle. And they managed to get away, and Dale was actually arrested this time. Wow. And so he took a plea agreement. Listen to this. This kills me. But he hasn't been convicted for any of these other murders yet or, or even looked mm-hmm. at for them. So, you know, they are got to cut him some slack. But... He took a plea agreement in the Breedham family assault. He served 99 days before that. So they just gave him time served. Oh. And he promised to abide by the law and to answer questions truthfully. <laughs> to have Well, if he promised, I mean, right. we're good to go promised, here. Guys. Yep. No consumption of alcohol, no drugs or either. He had to have regular mental health evaluations, and he had to go to counseling. So he was given a two to five year suspended sentence in a halfway house. So he was in a halfway house. He had a curfew, but he wanted his van back that they had seized, but clearly hadn't done much forensic work in, I'm guessing. So they Mm -hmm. gave him back his van. And he just drove off into the sunset. Oh, God. And this was in June of 1998. By July of 1998, they finally find him. So he was actually only gone for about six weeks before they get a hold of him. In 2001, he murders his cellmate. His cellmate died from a ruptured artery. Yeah. Wow. So... Finally, in 2002, Dale's DNA matches up to Lisa Kimmel's clothing. And then they find her car buried on his property, her former property. So he's finally buried her. Yeah, buried her car. So he's finally charged in her abduction 
He's charged with first-degree murder, premeditated murder, aggravated robbery, first-degree sexual assault, second-degree sexual assault, and aggravated kidnapping. Wow. And he's found guilty. He's actually sentenced to death, but then they came back later and said that was an improper sentence. And he was literally resentenced in March of this year. Just in March of this year. Wow. To an additional 60 years in prison. And now he's old now. Mm-hmm. You know, he was older when all of these killings happened. So now they've looked back to all of these, the places that he had lived and they're discovering there were does everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so now they think that he was associated. And here's the thing. He was in Elko at the time of some of our does. Maybe not all of them, but they don't know that for sure. And so a lot of locals really think that he's responsible for most of the does uh, in, at the time. So, you know, the thoughts are that it was the uh, Great Basin Killers or it was Dale Eaton or maybe it was someone else and there were more serial killers, that, uh, you know, active than we actually knew about. But those are the things that went on. And again, there was a bunch of other murders in and does that were found in Colorado and in Arizona or not Arizona, in Colorado and in Wyoming that are, you know, maybe attached to this and maybe aren't, and others in Nevada that I didn't even tell you about. So I know that's a big sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) So I have two questions for you that I'd like you to read. The first question is, do we believe that all four of these does were killed by the same person, or do we think that there was more than one person at play? Two people. Two people. And who do you think Dale's responsible for? Or I guess I I shouldn't have worded it that way at all. Do you think Dale's responsible for any of them? Yeah, I do. Uh, The first one and the one that was burned. Okay, so Devil's Gate. Mm -hmm. That was 1971-72. And then the one that was burned... Was Thousand Springs, I think. Yeah. Let's see. The yeah. other two were also killed by a serial killer, but this person was much smarter and much more calculating. Dale was just sort of a tornado. Mm-hmm. Um, this other person, the ones that were shot in the face. Mm-hmm. Um, they were much more, uh, more like, uh, what am I trying to say? I can't think of the word. Um, like an assassin, more like that, that, um, mindset. Mm -hmm. Um, Dale was just sort of a disaster and was just always trying to cover his tracks, whatever way he could. But, uh, this other person, yeah, their, their murders were much more planned. Mm-hmm. but oh my god okay but yeah I right just unthinkable yeah so do you really think so you think that the other two so this is what's interesting about them 20 years apart yeah 20 years apart but I really feel like that forming their bodies into a cross like that really is a calling card I also think that um, there were there are others that this they didn't mm-hmm. really go twenty years without killing anybody. Oh no, 
It's just Some of that them, I think were in Utah. They were in other states. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, they they were just moving around at the time. But it's they their body count is much higher than that. Mm-hmm. Well, and and there were more in Nevada too that I just couldn't get very much information on. So sure. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that something? That is horrifying. Yeah. For sure. So there you have it. So I will put some links in the show description for you guys so that you can research this a little further. Uh, yeah. And see what you think. There are some, uh, there's been some books written on this uh, topic. There's been a lot of, you know, like forensic looks and police looks at these cases, but unfortunately there's just not much to go on. Uh, with those cases uh, in the seventies, I mean, they, Mm-hmm. They wouldn't have collected the right stuff and stored it the right way. And you know, it's funny because occasionally they did, but it was just by a stroke of luck. You know, yeah, it was just by some police officers having an awareness that someday we're going to know, be able to look at more of this. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. Yep. Well, I am going to kick the mic back to you for some weird crime time. Okay. So this is Blair and Blair Witten. And a while back, Blair maybe had a really inappropriate reaction to the death of her ex-boyfriend. Oh. Because she tried through tried to plow through the cemetery in her car. To murder his current girlfriend at his funeral. Oh, gosh. Turns out it's a lot harder to drive through a cemetery when you're with your car than maybe Blair had thought of. Because she didn't really actually hurt anyone. But she certainly could have. But, you know, those, well, headstones, gosh, Blair. <laughs> those headstones are a little harder to drive over than you might have thought. She just thought she was going to be taking jumps. That's yeah. so horrible. Think about the property damage you could do in, with right. your car in a cemetery. Right. Well, and so she had been, you know, uninvited from the funeral because she Seems wrote some legit. Yeah. yeah. She had written some real bizarre, negative, nasty social media posts about him after he, he died. He died of surgical complications. Oh, wow. At one point, she said on social media that she had killed him. (laughs) He died in a hospital, surgical complications. She had basically stalked him and his family and harassed them for about five years before he died. Oh, uh, after their relationship broke up. But uh, Blair, she is in some trouble because not only, you know, did she try to driver SUV through the cemetery she also vandalized recently um, a marble statue of Jesus that stood outside St. Mary's Cathedral in downtown Fargo she spray painted it black (laughs) and so she's in you know I don't know I I would think maybe some jail time would be a good thing for Blair at this point. It seems like it. Yeah. She needs to slow her shit down. And a good evaluation. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, 
hoping Blair gets the help she needs because uh, she needs it. Because WTF, Blair. Yeah. 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 Glad no one was injured in the uh, attack on the cemetery. Yeah. She seemed to think that her SUV was going to just make it right through those headstones. And it turns out, no, no. In case you were wondering. Well, thank goodness. Can you imagine driving through a crowd of people? Yeah. At a gravesite like that? Mm. Scary. Bad, bad. Oh, Blair. Mm -hmm. Get help, Blair. Yeah. All righty. Well, there you have it. That is our Tuesday episode. So we'll be back tomorrow with a brand new episode. We'll be back tomorrow night with case updates. And then we'll be back Thursday night, of course, with the psychic hour. So we have so much going on, so much more good stuff to come. So be here. Uh, Like, share, comment, please. We appreciate that very much. And keep an eye on Patreon because we do have some new Patreons coming out. Uh, a brand new one and another one coming here in a day or two. So mm-hmm. lots of good stuff. Well, that's it. This has been yet another production of True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. Take care. Bye, everybody. Bye.